Hi everybody, my name is Pat Hogarty and welcome back to California Real Estate Practice, Real Estate 310. This happens to be show number 32, which is our last show for the season, if you will, or for the class. <coughs> Excuse me, one of the things that we're going to be doing today is finishing off talking about the topic uh, which is licensing, ethics, and associations. Uh, one of the things that I would like to take a minute and thank is a lady that's been taking care of our closed captioning. Her name is Yvette, and I want to really thank you very much for all the support that you've given us over, uh, over the classes that I've been giving. It's really helping out a lot of the students that have a hearing impairment. And I'd also like to take a minute, too, to thank uh, Bob Bickley, who's our engineer, Jane Phillips, who is our coordinator in the background, make sure that all of these videos are getting over to uh, Sacramento State or as we usually refer to a California State University, Sacramento, so that you guys can see them on the weekends. It's Jane that actually makes all of that happen. So I really kind of want to mention that uh, without their support, there's no way that I'd ever be able to do this program. They actually make me look like I think I know what I'm talking about. With that now, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Uh, where we left off is we had talked about, uh, near the end of the last program, we talked about the requirements that you had to have for a real estate sales license. And uh, basically, as a quick review, we said essentially that as long as you are 18 years of age and that the process is, is that what you would do is you first have to take or be enrolled in real estate principles class. If you've already completed it, then when you're, you're one step a little bit further ahead. But anyway, once you are enrolled, then you're allowed to take the actual real estate exam. Once you take the uh, real estate exam, then and then once you also pass the real estate principles class, then you would be allowed to actually submit an application to the Department of Real Estate. One of the questions I often get from students is, well, what do I do? How do I prove that I've taken the class? And one of the ways that you do that is, is that you, uh, and you can do this online, by the way, you can get your a copy or order a copy of your college transcript that shows the courses that you have taken. And keep in mind, we talked a lot the last time about there were some other courses that may, you may be using, such as business law or uh, accounting, business accounting, or, uh, and so if you want to use any courses from another college or university, then you would also need to get transcripts from them to submit that to the Department of Real Estate. And I would always say that the best way to do it is to make sure you're submitting something called an official transcript. An official transcript normally means that it has a seal on it of some way of proving you know, that it's an official document. And then once you do that uh, and you pass the exam, you do the enrollment, we did talk about the fact that as part of the application, you really need to make sure that you're honest and truthful. I talked uh, quite a bit about a gentleman that works for the Department of Real Estate by the name of David Seals, who comes in and dis talks to our uh, internship class about, about ethics. And one of the things that he says is that you have to put down anything that has ever happened in your background. Uh, that has involved the law of misdemeanors or uh, felonies, and what's important, and uh, he also said, too, that probably about, about 40 to 45 percent of the people that apply actually have something in their background they have to put down, but what's important they're looking for is to make sure you're truthful and honest. 
If you ever have any questions about what to put down, you can also call the Department of Real Estate. They're really nice people down there. They'd be more than happy to actually uh, explain whatever, uh, whatever the circumstances are that are personal to you. But in, in, if you're in doubt, just disclose. That's the easy thing to do. Uh, we also then talked about the fact that if you're going to become a real estate broker, one of the things that you're going to do is you're also going to have to take some additional classes. We talked about those five core classes that are in your text and then the three optional classes that you would take. Once you finish that, then you would take a 200-question exam that lasts for, I believe, five hours at the Department of Real Estate. And uh, once you pass that, then you would then again submit your application. Part of that application process is that you have to prove to the Department of Real Estate that you have at least two years of experience as a real estate salesperson, as a full-time real estate salesperson. If, uh, and that normally would take some kind of a signed document from a real estate broker that you have worked for. Those experience requirements can be reduced if you have an associate's degree and take care of one of those two years of experience or if you have a bachelor's degree. And that can be in any su subject, uh, if you will. It could be, in, uh, it could be for uh, business, accounting, finance, nursing, uh, history, math. It doesn't make any difference. English. Uh, any of those will qualify to meet those requirements. And again, that's to get the broker's license, but keep in mind, though, that uh, you do need a heck of a lot of experience to practice in this field. So it's always good to be working for uh, a real estate broker who's going to give you that guidance. The last thing that we talked about was the fact that in order for you to keep your license up to date, one of the things that you're going to have to do every four years, remember, if you first get your license and all you ever take is real estate principles, your license is only good for 18 months. At the end of that 18 months, if you had to do nothing else, that license completely evaporates, disappears, it's gone. Uh, you cannot renew that license. Uh, it's called a probationary license uh, is uh, sometimes the term that you hear. Uh, what, uh, what I always recommend that people do is to, uh, if you're going to do that and get your license right away because you want to get in the business, that's a good idea. But what you should also be doing is looking at getting the additional classes you need to get right away. Remember, this class, which is real estate practice, happens to be the second mandatory class that you have to have in order to get that four-year license. And then the third course can be coming from, drawn from one of those that are in the book, such as... Uh, Real estate economics, real estate finance, real estate law, uh, escrow. Uh, there's a number of different classes that meet that third course requirement. And you're probably going to find if you're interested in real estate and you want to make it a career, you're probably going to be doing a lot of those courses automatically just to gain additional knowledge. Now, the last thing is, is that once you have this four-year license, you need to keep it renewed. And I've mentioned this to a number of people, most people, professionals, like doctors, nurses, attorneys, they have a license and they have to renew it. Every, there's some frequency they have to renew it. And every one of those professions has some kind of continuing education that you have to prove to that licensing agency that you have done. So in other words, nurses have to show that they have taken continuing education. Same thing with you. And what we mean by continuing education is, is that it's a requirement of 45 hours. Those are clock hours. Those are hours that you sit in a classroom. 
in which you have an instructor. There's usually a, uh, uh, like a login sheet where you have to log in that when you got there, when you left. Those courses, by the way, are heavily uh, audited by the Department of Real Estate to make sure that the instructors are following the rules. If they don't follow the rules, I've talked to the Department of Real Estate about this in the past, they will just go in and take that person's uh, authorization away to give that class, and they won't think twice about it. You have to follow those rules. So in other words, you physically have to be in the classroom. Uh, once you finish that, those courses, you normally get some form of a certificate, and you want to keep, keep track of those certificates. And then when you go in for your license renewal at the end of the four years, you're going to submit that as proof that you've actually taken those classes. The next question I get many times is, well, where do I get these classes from? Uh, I, would, I would venture to say that one of the best places to find out is by contacting the Sacramento Association of Realtors, which is over, we'll show you their website today. They're over on 2003 Howe Avenue, right across from, if you will, the, uh, there's a, a brand new um, Home Depot, which I feel will be there for a number of years, right across where there used to be a Kmart. Anyway, they're an excellent source of providing you a list of approved vendors, that'll, and they have courses on a regular basis that are there that you can go in, sometimes stop during the week and take a three-hour class or on a Friday or whatever. And usually they look to make sure that they're reasonable. Uh, also, there can be courses that you can take that once you get a license, you'll probably, like everything else, you'll get a lot of different types of advertisements in the mail. And, I mean, they even have courses you can take on cruise ships. So you go to Hawaii and you go on some other vacation and integrate those together. Or if you belong to the association and you go to the ma major meetings that they have, like at the California or the National Association, they normally have some form of continuing education there. So there's lots of places to get it. So, and a lot of times it can be fun, some new stuff that will really help you within the business. So anyway, what uh, I'm going to do is move on here a little bit. Uh, this was the page in the book that talked about the continuing education that you're required to do. Uh, then uh, we also talked a little bit here about what, uh, just so that we know what this is, we talked about what a prepaid listing license was. And this is something that you may or may not run into. Uh, what I did is, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the company, but it's been a number of years ago that they had in Sacramento. What it was is that this company was probably one of the forerunners that had the ability to put people's names and the, their address and everything else into some form of a database and then provide lists of those properties that are for rent to prospective tenants. Now you're going to find out that in some cases it can be where the, those services can go, go one of two ways. One of them can be where you're actually going to have the people that own the properties that are going to pay a fee to put their property in this list on the other hand, you can have where the tenants that are coming in, which is more what I'm familiar with, will pay a fee to uh, get a list of properties that are for rent in a specific area. And, uh, and, uh, and I'll just kind of go over what this is. As it says here in the book, it says a prepaid re rental listing service license is required when running a business that supplies prospective tenants with listings of residential real property for rent or lease while collecting a fee for the service. Okay, so essentially it means, uh, and here's how the services kind of work. I mean, if you, have, if you have any kind of database capability, which is, you know, with Microsoft Access or any of them today, 
it's fairly easy. You sit down, you put in, you know, you may get, for example, the Sacramento Bee or different services. You put the name, the address of the property, the person to contact, and probably you're scouring the newspaper and different sources every day and putting them in. And then you may have like a storefront, of, for example, in the past, that's what I've seen. And somebody will come in or you may have uh, your service listed in what they call like the for rent uh, magazines that you see in, uh, that you can get for free in the stores. And the idea is somebody comes by, is looking for a place to rent, uh, and they need some assistance in, in, you know, in getting a list, one compact list that they can go and look at the properties, and then you're just supplying the list. One of the things, as they point out here, is that negotiation of the rental property is not part of the activity. You're not representing the landlord or anything. You're just providing names. An individual may obtain, without examination, a two-year license to conduct this type of activity. And then uh, also they say prior to the issuance of the license, the applicant must submit and have approved by the Department of Real Estate, that's DRE, a contract to be entered into between the licensee and the client prospective tenant, fingerprints, and a $2,500 security, uh, surety bond is required. Okay, Just another kind of service, if you will, um, that... Uh, that people enter into uh, to generate, you know, generate income. I mean, you may very well decide that uh, you're going to look at things a little bit differently. Maybe this might be a service that you'd provide. Maybe you do some kind of notary. You do some other kind of business besides just selling real estate, just another activity. Uh, one of the things that they do talk about in the book is they talk about uh, when you do have a real estate license, uh, I would say that the first thing that you want to do is, if you don't really want any headaches at all, is that you want to really make sure that you're working very hard to keep your clients informed, that you, that you work well with them, you don't get them upset. It's amazing. A lot of these complaints that could have possibly been solved between two adults sitting down and discussing what the problem is, in most cases, could have been corrected. You know, somebody thought that they would charge too much money or they had a perception that they were not represented correctly and they just stopped and said, listen, I think there's something wrong here and they had a discussion, maybe they could have prevented this. These are usually caused, unless they're intentionally caused by, you know, like, for example, if somebody decides that they're going to intentionally defraud somebody, but in a lot of cases it's usually a communications problem where the agent... The client's perception is the agent is not doing their job or the agent's not treating them fairly, okay? There are a lot of different ways that this can be approached. One of the ways that you can do is that a, a client can go ahead and file a complaint with the, uh, uh, the Sacramento Association of Realtors. They have a whole process. They have an ethics committee that will sit down and have hearings and take a look at whether the people have done something ethical or unethical. Uh, you also have hearings where if the, the person can file a complaint with the Department of Real Estate, and then what happens is, is then the person is asked to come in, and then they, sit before, they have to appear before a committee and explain basically what happened as far as the complaint has, has happened, and then they'll make a ruling and decide whether somebody has done something wrong or maybe it was just the client was upset at them or whatever the problem is, but there's a process that's there for people to follow. Um, so it talks about enforcement. It says licensing and regulatory law is, uh, is effective only to the extent that it is enforced. The commissioner, ha as the chief officer of the Department of Real Estate, is duty-bound to enforce provisions of the real estate law. So it's the commissioner or whoever is working for him that does that. 
uh, hearings. Okay, one of the functions of the real estate law is to hold hearings when there is a question as to the rights of persons to obtain or keep their real estate licenses. Um, David Seals, the gentleman I told you that comes in and talks uh, from the Department of Real Estate to our internship class, sits on these committees. Okay, and uh, it's kind of interesting because he gets very used to, after a while, hearing a lot of the same things over and over again, you know. Uh, the Department of Real Estate and other licensing agencies must conduct hearings with strict regard for rules set forth in the Administrator's Procedures Act. Okay, so keep, just keep in mind that, that once you have a license and um, a client is, uh, you've done something and a client is upset with you, they can file a complaint. Okay, and the sad thing, and not the sad, but the, the thing about it is, is that you could be somebody that's earning your living or being fairly successful in real estate and find out that you're dragged before the Department of Real Estate because of some kind of a violation. So it's really important that you make sure you do everything above, above board. And I would say <clears throat> almost develop like a third or a fourth or a fifth sense on how you can kind of feel where maybe something may be going awry. If you suspect something is not working well and you and your client are not communicating, that might be very well the time that you go and sit down with your broker and say, I think I may have a problem. Maybe it's me, maybe it's not, but this is what I perceive it. And I want to kind of stay out of trouble here. I want to make sure that the client is fairly represented. And, you know, a lot of times we find that because we first get a client, we work with them, and everything works okay. And then as we go along, it's kind of like any relationship. Sometimes we find out they get better. Okay, and sometimes we find out they get worse. <laughs> in other words, we could start out with a really good relationship and find out that whatever happens, that's why we have people that get divorces. We call those divorces, you know, because what ends up happening is people find out that they're not getting along, they're not communicating, they're not understanding each other. So if that happens, maybe you need to get the broker involved and say, I think I have a problem before we get into some major catastrophic problem and bring, having to bring in a bunch of attorneys, let me just stop and have you take a look and get some advice from you on what direction we need to take. That may be a way for you to, to kind of sometimes to bring in this other person at that time may help out, you know, and at least getting the advice. And that's why you pay your broker a commission to, to get that advice and that help from, for them. Uh, if your license is revoked, it says, after a license is revoked, the person affected may not apply for reinstatement within one year has passed. And there are different ways that they do this. Uh, there's different restrictions, if you will, that they can put on a license. One of the things that they can do, you know, as a result of this hearing, as a result of these findings, the real estate commissioner can do one of several things. Number one is they can revoke the license. That means completely take the license away. You're out of business. The second thing is they can restrict it. They can strict, restrict what you can do with that license for a period of time. And the third thing they can do is they can suspend it. Okay. Um, and there are a lot of different reasons why they do this. They, one of the things they give you here is child support obligations, 150-day license, the Department of Real Estate, the Department of Child Protective Services regularly provides the DRE with a list of persons obligate tours who are over four months delinquent in court-ordered child support payments. Okay, and I'll go on to read from here. It says, active licensees who appear on the list are given 150 days by DRE to get current or have their license suspended. 
Furthermore, the DRE will not issue or renew a full-term four-year license to otherwise qualified applicants who appear on the so-called deadbeat list. Okay, instead they will be issued a temporary 150-day license. No license will be issued or suspension revoked until a uh, release is furnished by the district attorney's office. Now let me just tell you how this is working nowadays. You know, in the past, you know, you know, it's, you know, 30, 35, 40 years ago, or, or even uh, more current than that, you know, what happened was is each one of these departments had, you know, a lot of their stuff on paper. There was no way for anybody to cross-check back and forth between, you know, whether somebody's not paying child support or maybe there's some kind of law, uh, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've broken some law, whatever. What's happening now, because we have computers, is sort of a double-edged sword. We now have where these systems can talk to each other. Uh, I don't know whether they have it like it works like this now, but I think in some cases, if you're stopped by, by for for uh, a traffic violation, I think that they have a way. If you have some other things that are affecting you, I know I don't know whether they can do this now, but I do know there was discussions about this child support issue, where if you were stopped, they at the same time they could say, oh, by the way, we happen to know that you haven't been you you know you haven't been paying your child support. The point is, is that the databases now make it very easy to cross-check. And what's also happening, too, is, is that the legislature, every time when they're getting pressure from different interest groups to, you know, enforce the law, one of the things that they're doing is they're, they're automating the process. They pass a law saying, okay, for now on, this department has to provide that information to this department. So you're seeing more and more of that going on on a regular basis, so don't be surprised mainly because we have computers that are enabled to us to do that. Um, I'm going to talk about these real estate bulletins here in a minute. Um, let me see here. Okay. What happens here is that um, uh, these real estate bulletins, and I'm going to show you where they are on the Department of Real Estate website. These are things that they used to mail to you that keep you abreast of what's happening within the real estate industry. What's happening now is because the Department of Real Estate can go ahead and put all of this stuff up on their website and just more or less send you a link and provide that information electronically. These are bulletins that, uh, that you're able, uh, newsletters if you will, that you can, get, uh, you can get and don't have to pay for. So for example, uh, this this one bulletin right here talks about the commissioner's regulations. How, how do you get them? Okay. How, in other words, how do you get the re, uh, li, the regulations? I'm sorry. Uh, monitoring sales pli, uh, person license requirements. They had an article in here about that. Uh, they had another one in here to improve efficiency. The real. Oh, by the way, this this is the one that actually where they finally came out. I'll blow this up here for you in a minute. Where they finally said, you know, that's it. We're not going to spend any more money on on printing, but this is the one where they finally told you that for now on this, this, um, this bulletin, if you will, or this uh, newsletter is going to be pr uh, uh, provided electronically on their website. So anyway, kind of want to let you know about this. I'm going to show you where that is on their website so that you're familiar with that. All right. And let me see whatever else I'm looking to just finish up here. Okay, that's 475, 476. Okay. Um, what they do do down here is on the um, last part of this book, 
uh, gives you some examples of the business and professions code. I would highly recommend that you, uh, I'm not going to read this to you, but it covers a lot of different things that you may be wondering about, uh, such as misrepresentation, false promises, uh, all of those things you pretty much want to go through. Like, for example, just read one of them. It says, uh, misrepresentation, the licensee must disclose to his or her principal all material facts that the principal should know. Failure to do so is, or lying is cause for disciplinary action. A great majority of the complaints received by the commissioner allege misrepresentation on the part of the broker or his or her salespeople. So again, I highly recommend that you read this and just become familiar with this. So it's more or less to stay out of trouble, if you will, and to make sure that you're representing your clients fairly. Going down the road here, seeing whatever else I may have. All right. Okay. They, uh, okay, what we're going to move into now is we're going to move into uh, talking about the last part of this, uh, the information that happens to be in this book, which is, uh, let me see if I can get this up here. Okay, they start around here and they start talking about trade and professional associations. So that's what we're going to be doing now we're going to be talking about those different types of associations that you would be able to uh, join or um, be active in. And one, one of the things that you're going to find out is that once you become once you become licensed, you're going to find out if you want to work for a broker. Uh, their broker is going to require you to join the uh, the Sacramento if you're in Sacramento. Uh, the Sacramento Association of Realtors. And when you do that and you join and you pay your fees, you actually automatically become a member of the California Association and also the National Association of Realtors. Uh, there are lots and lots of different real estate organizations. There's just, uh, uh, you know, that some of them are general, like Sacramento Association is a general organization, California is a general, and the Nationals is general. You also have a number of other organizations, and I'm trying to um, uh, trying to just show you here on this particular page here. You have a number of different affiliates, okay, and they give you a list of all of these websites and all of these designations. Now, the reason why I want to point this out to you is that some of you may be working with somebody and hear that they're a C-I-R-E-I -E or they're I-R-R-E-M or any of these designations, and you're wondering, what in the world are these? What they are is they're, de they are, we call them designations, um, certifications sometimes in the computer business you call them. What they are is they essentially mean that you as an agent, if you belong to these associations, you have taken some courses with them, a course of study. Normally, these courses of study are things that are specific to the area that you're interested in. For example, if you're interested in an industrial property, you would probably take additional courses in that area if you're talking about doing things like warehousing, industrial space, or commercial real estate. After you take those courses and you fulfill those requirements, you would get a designation, which would mean that you'd have a specialization. If you're in that area, that could be just the thing that sets you apart from whoever your competition is. It also says that you're serious about the business. 
Um, one thing that you also want to kind of keep in mind, too, is that, you know, some people also, and I don't know whether this is necessarily a great idea, they become what I would call a collector of designations. I mean, I've seen people uh, that, uh, I mean, especially in the computer area, my goodness, they must have 10, 15, 20, and by goodness, um, when they put out a business card or a flyer, they have all their designations, you know. In fact, if you go in their office, they have all these plaques, and I've kind of tended to call that uh, their love me wall. You know, I mean, it's kind of all the all the designations they have. You wonder if they necessarily ever, you know, sell anything. They got a lot of designations. But the point is, is that it's a way for you to kind of set yourself apart and get training and education in that particular area. They're usually provided by that individual group, and they just give you a list of them here. Okay, um, some of the ones that you hear about more common are things like counselors of real estate. Uh, CRS is another one that you hear. Uh, this is a de it says a designation is awarded to top producing agents in, in the country who complete advanced training in selling and listing property. Um, there Again, and it just goes on from there on what, um, you know, what other kinds of designations. Here's another one that you hear about called the Graduate uh, Realtor Institute. Uh, it says this GR, uh, GRI symbol is recognized nationwide, showing buyers, sellers, and other real estate industry members that you are a true professional and have a solid grasp of the real estate fundamentals. And again, if you want to know, notice that they have all of these websites in here that you can go and find out more and more information if you're interested in any of these designations at all. Okay, any of them, whatever they happen to be. And that's just in the sale of real estate. <laughs> I mean, you have other designations if you're going to be an appraiser. You have other designations if you're going to be in the mortgage business. It just goes on and on. So anyway, what I'm going to do now is in a minute here, I'm going to go ahead and uh, shift to um, a couple of uh, websites to kind of go over the information that you would typically find. Is by no means do I have the time to go over them all in as much detail as we need to. This uh, first website is the California Department of Real Estate. This is probably your starting place. This is the place that you're going to want to go to in order for you to get your real estate license. Uh, a couple things that I want to point out to you here. Uh, this website, as I've mentioned many times before, happens to be uh, set up and navigates the same as I believe almost all of this, uh, the California State websites work. So the Department of Real Estate website works the same way. The Alcoholic Beverage Control works the same way. They all work pretty much the same way. What they do is on the left-hand side, they have links to the different things that you may be very well interested in. Okay. And then in the center of the page, over here, of course, we have our governor. We have our agency secretary. Here's our real estate commissioner. If we wanted to know who he is, there he is. Uh, so we have all of this kind of information here that you can find very easily. Uh, one thing that I like is that they start off here with the examining and licensing pages, and I'll, go, I'll be going through those in a minute. They have different resources, so if you want to find, for example, the real estate reference book, which is, I believe, roughly in the neighborhood of about a 36, I believe it's about a 36-chapter book. It has all kinds of different things. Uh, if I'll click on this and see uh, if you go here and then you go down here. This is all the different chapters. 
And uh, so if you ever wonder where in the world a lot of the authors get their information, if you look at the chapters in this book, which by the way is free, you can download it, you can, you can keep it as an electronic file. Uh, one of the things that I'm doing with the uh, glossary as an example is that I'm taking the glossary and I'm going to make sure that it's going to be available for my students in my f future classes so they can look terms up. In fact, I'm going to work on it and enhance it. We're talking about making some flashcard systems for people and things like that because I've noticed a lot of students are making up flashcards and working with them, trying to remember all these terms. But anyway, so this is free. If you went down and bought it, I think it's $22. Uh, you have regulation changes. Here's your real estate law book uh, if you wanted that. So they have all of this stuff uh, is, is essentially free. You can free download it, uh, bookmark it, whatever you want to. It, it's, it's essentially free. Now, the place that you're going to start, though, when you first start in the real estate business, you're going to become what they call here, and I'll just go down what you have here. Here's real estate home. That's if you want to contact people, normally an email. What's new on the site? What about DRE? What do they do? Careers at DRE. DRE records. DRE records is where you're able to look up a person's name, either license number or their name, and find out if they have an active license, find out if there's any violations against them or anything else. Okay. Uh, there's information for consumers. Uh, you have here covered escrow violations, e-licensing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Examinees. License. Examinees, by the way, when you first start out, you're an examinee. You're not a licensee. You're an examinee. That's where you start. This is the one that covers the subdivisions. In other words, uh, this is the uh, public report. Real estate law regulations. If you wanted some additional publications, for example, if you wanted... Uh, if you wanted to be able to have access to those publications, it's there. And then if you needed any forms, all the forms that they would basically have would all be listed right here for you, whatever they happen to be that you would need. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to go back to something called, um, go back to examinees, which is you guys. And what's nice about the examinee page is that a lot of times I get questions from students. In fact, I get them on a fairly frequent basis, and they'll say to me, well, does this course meet this requirement? Or, uh, you know, how many, you know, will my degree count towards experience? All that kind of stuff. Well, if you take a look at this page, the way that it's laid out is that they have everything here. They break it down into a salesperson here and all their requirements, and then this is your real estate broker and all of those requirements. And then this is the real estate corporation. This is the part that talks about the pre, uh, prepaid listing service, if you were interested in that. Advice, further information, forms, and publications. So everything that you need is located right here. So if you're looking at just some basic, basic stuff, for example, like uh, what is the minimum requirements to apply for a sales license? Just like your book did, it's all listed right here. Everything is right. Let me see if I need to make that any bigger. I don't think I can. I made it as big as I can, so, okay. Anyway, this talks about your age, honesty. It talks about the courses that you need to take, okay? These are your additional courses that were listed in your book right here. Okay, so everything is all listed. If you're an attorney, how does that affect you? All that stuff is all listed down here, okay? The next thing 
that, and I'm going to go back one button, is that you may want to go and look at, uh, if you're looking for how to apply for the salesperson's license that's here. So it gives you that, and it talks about e-licensing, and I'll go over that in a minute. Next thing that uh, you need to probably be aware of is that people will ask me, well, what does this stuff cost? What are the fees for the fingerprints and all, everything else? All of those fees are all listed right here on their website. Okay, So if you want to know what those fees are and what they are, which is something you would get in the textbook, it's all basically listed right here for you. Okay, So I'm going to go back up. I'll go back to the next one. The next thing that people usually will ask me is how and where the sales per exams are. So down I go click on that button and this tells me where they're actually physically located. Okay. And all the forms. Now if I want to go back, so I, in other words I can take it in, in Fresno, San Diego, Los Angeles, Oakland, or Sacramento. If I want to know uh, I'm trying to look for the check available dates. That's usually another question I get. When can I take the exam? So I'm going to go to Sacramento, which is right here. I pick out is that which one do I want, sales or brokers. I'm going to take sales, and it says get exam list. When I do this and I go down here, this is giving me the dates and the times where they happen to be located. So, for example, uh, in this particular illustration or example, the first time that somebody can take the exam that the date's available is on June 12, 2006. The time begins at 12, at 7.45 in the morning. It's located at the Department of Real Estate. It gives you the address. This here shows you how many people are currently scheduled, and this shows you what the capacity of the room happens to be. So you just go down here and you find out whatever works best for you, and then you pick that date and time. Okay? All done electronically. Um, go back one. Uh, we did exam sites. They have other things in here, like if you want to know what the exam content is, you click on this. And so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I highly recommend that you spend the time going over this because if you take if you take the hour or two or whatever it is, depending upon, actually probably 20 minutes, a half hour, it'll probably provide you a tremendous amount of information. And what's good about it is that it's up to date. It's not something that, you know, remember the minute we print a book, stuff starts going out of date, whereas this is being updated on a regular basis. So that's what's really nice about it. Next thing that I want to do is I want to explain to you a little bit about this e-licensing thing here. And so I'm just going to go to e-licensing. Go to e-licensing. Uh, what happens is, is that I can go ahead in here if I've never... Uh, if I've already had an account, I'm going to have, just like I would for a bank or for the school here or whatever, I'm going to have to establish a username and a password. If I don't have one, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to register, and I click on the register button. It goes down through here, and it gives me some information on the terms like it would with anything else to let them know what they're going to do with your information, you know, privacy protection. That's your agreement. You say, okay, I agree to that. And then the first thing, and I'm not going to go any further than this because I'd be establishing an account, is where they start asking you specific information like what your Social Security number is, your date of birth, on and on and on. Okay, And then you establish the account, you get a username and a password, and then you can log in and keep track of all the information that you have. So anyway, that is the Department of Real Estate website. And um, 
what I'm going to do now is I'm going to uh, I'm going to go ahead and go to another uh, another site, and that site I'm going to go to is my old friends over here at the Sacramento Association of Realtors, and uh, bring that up. This happens to be their web page. Uh, things that I probably probably the best thing that I would find here. Uh, not best thing, but the thing that I would find is that they do a, a, a good job uh, off the front page of helping you jump in and find out where things are located. But what I would do is what I like is I like this link here, which is About Us. And what the About Us does, and I'm going to kind of probably change this text here a little bit to a little bit, lar a little bit different size so that it looks a little better. What they do here is that you'll notice that they have you know About Us, their mission, if you're looking to get to the Sacramento Association, they have a map here for you. Okay, so that shows you exactly where it's located, like in our internship applications. This is where I got the map and put it on the back of the application. Uh, if you're looking at becoming a realtor, they're going into the benefits. All of this is located here, discounts, insurance. I mean, all those things that you may be concerned about. You may be wondering, okay, process and applications. You know, what is the application process? What is the MLS process? How does that work? Okay, that's all listed here. Another big thing that people will ask is, what about the dues? What does it cost to join? Well, guess what? Under dues, and it's a sliding scale. It's really dependent upon what month of the year that you join. So, for example, uh, I'll just kind of read this to you. It says, dues schedule. The following dues schedule shows prorated amounts for 2006 calendar year. The total amount includes a one-time $130 administration fee, which is charged to all new members. The expanded total within the political survival column reflects a voluntary $49 contribution to the CAR political fund. What that means is essentially California Association of Realtors and also the National Association. Those are the ones that are fighting for the industry or, or fighting for the rights or actually representing not only realtors but representing homeowners to make sure that the legislature doesn't do something terrible like take away our interest deduction. So what this is essentially doing here is, is telling us, okay, if we join, like for example, if we got all done and we joined, uh, say, in uh, June, this shows that our dues, for, since in June would be $272.67, there'd be an administrative fee of $130, that's a one-time fee, that's to get you established in the system. That's a total fee of $402, and then if you wanted to, invest or put your money in the political survival fund, then that would raise your fees up for that additional money, and that would be the total that you would pay for this year. And then every year after that, then you wouldn't have to pay that administrative fee, that one-time administrative fee. Uh, next thing that they do is they go in here and they get, tell you where the meetings are located. Okay, we've talked a lot about there, there are meetings throughout Sacramento normally on a on a, um, if you will, it's uh, on a Tuesday. Most of them, as far as I know, are on a Tuesday. There's two types of meetings, if you will. There are main meetings and there are what we call regional meetings. The main meeting is always located, unless they change it, is always located at the uh, Sacramento Association of Realtors building over there on 2003 Howe Avenue. It's always on the first floor. It's always in the Mac Powell Auditorium. 
It tells you what time it starts, what time it ends. Uh, it'll go through here and it'll talk about who's going to be the speaker, you know, who's speaking that, uh, at that time, you know, uh, or if they're going to have a meeting or not. So they have all this stuff listed in here. Okay, that's for the, uh, for the main meeting. And then normally after the main meeting, what happens is, is those agents will get together and they'll go on home tours and do stuff like that. And I have a question from the gentleman up here on the left-hand side. Yes, how soon are you allowed to join the uh, Sacramento Association of Realtors? His question is, how soon can you join the Sacramento Association of Realtors? As a realtor, you, what you first have to do is pass the exam. Once you pass the exam, then you can join right away. Right. Now, what we say with our interns, our internship program that we have, we actually have our weekly class there at the association. Okay, and they've been good enough over the years to also make it fancy. They give us the entire conference room on the second floor. And so we either usually have it in a conference room, which could sit 40 or 50 people, or we also have a training room that has computers in it. When you go to those, we, we, we encourage the interns to go with their brokers to these weekly meetings, okay, if they have the time, you know, if it fits their schedule. And what you do is you go to the meetings, that way you get a chance to see how they're conducted. You go to the main meeting, you go to the regional meeting, and then after that, then you go on the home tours, when they go on the tours and take a look at the houses, okay? So you're getting used to what these agents do. At the same time, you'll have an opportunity to meet all of the affiliates. In other words, besides realtors, there are mortgage people that are at those meetings, home inspectors, uh, escrow people, title people. It just goes down the list, so you have a chance of meeting these people. And we have interns go on a regular basis, and they just stand up. Usually there's a point where you introduce yourself. And they say, anybody new? And you say, hi, I'm Pat Hogarty. I'm an intern at the, you know, at the Los Rios Community College District. And they all maybe, maybe even clap a little. Who knows? <laughs> And then usually after the meeting, somebody will come up and say something to you, you know, like, hey, you know, glad to see you're in the business and maybe give you a business card or something, and then you'll go on a tour. So it's a good way. Uh, that's always the first Tuesday of the month. And then every, all the rest of the Tuesdays, they're at the regional places, okay? So, for example, the regional meetings are located. One of the regional meetings is also to cover the north area is at the MacPal Auditorium, okay? Same place. But then besides that... And the regional meetings, if I can find them here, um, for example, what we call the central meeting, okay, which is going to be, you know, on, the, on the, uh, the second Tuesday, the third, and the fourth Tuesday of the month, I'll be at the Mac Powell Auditorium. If you're in the south area, it's going to be at the Elks Lodge on Riverside Boulevard, which I think it's been there forever there. If you're out in Orangevale, there's an Orangevale Community Center that's off of uh, Hazel Avenue, right before you get to Greenback. Uh, if you go down Hazel, you go north on that. And if you're in Elk Grove, there's one in Elk Grove. And this is new. This one here, there's two of them that are new that hadn't been here before. One of them that's brand new is uh, Folsom. Okay, Folsom, I mean, this is, this is new, okay? Uh, let's say, uh, you know, and also West Sacramento is new. So there's a lot of places um, that people can go to uh, and meet with the people. And what I always do is I strongly encourage people that are in the internship program to go to these meetings, meet with the other, uh, the other agents and the other companies, and just become part of the, uh, the real estate community. I think it's a really good, uh, really good thing to do. Um, they do have a thing called the calendar. 
again, this is when they're going to have different kinds of events, such as education. That's another thing that we do with our internship program is that some of these educational programs, the board, out of the goodness of their heart, make them free. Not all of them, but some of them free to the interns. Okay, And so uh, that's another opportunity of, uh, of doing this. Um, they also have other clubs. They have professional standards. And then probably the thing I wanted to throw in right down the bottom here is uh, there is a link to the internship program, <laughs> which... Uh, talks about what the program is. This is for both students and for people that might want to be sponsors. And if you look all the way down the bottom here, I think my name is on the list with my phone number. Uh, somewhere in here, there I am, Pat Hogarty. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I'm the one is the point of contact that people will call if they have any questions, and we also have people at the board that will help out. Anyway, so that takes care of the Sacramento Association. Um, I'm going to go back here, and I'll just show you very quickly the California Association. And uh, let me see here. Right here, this is the California Association. Um, they have a lot of literature that's here for, uh, this is some kind of an ad they must have going here. Okay, a lot of different kinds of information on things like economics, education, economic reports. Uh, for example, here they have real estate foreclosures in the fall of April. Uh, you know, they just have a lot of news that you may want to keep up. I think the one area that's really kind of helpful is when you go in the area that's for consumers. If I can click that button here. Let me see. I've got to, uh, uh, yeah, for consumers. Yeah, this is for consumers, and it would have things in here that would help consumers, things on, on such things as, you know, finding a realtor, selling your house, uh, What's really kind of nice about this stuff is that if you're trying to prepare people to list their house for sale or trying to help them buy a home, uh, it's a good idea to have a lot of this literature. You know, and you selectively choose how you use it, but you know that it's available that you can use and provide to your clients that can explain things like, like they do here, you know, like uh, how to begin your home search, what kind of credit information do you have, things like that. Very, very good information that you can have. Uh, property listings. Um, I th this is uh, through Realtor.com. So this is available for people that are in California, but you also have it available throughout the United States. What's nice about this is that if you just take off the CA in front of Realtor, if I can do that really quickly here, if I just get rid of this little part right here and I hit that button, what will happen is, is this will switch and now I can look into um, any, um, I can look by state. So I can go in for New York. I mean, if I'm looking for any state, I always like to look for like Oklahoma or Texas to show the difference in the properties. But in other words, people, consumers can go in here and search properties. And how does that get populated? It gets populated as a result of the... Uh, as a result of the, uh, I'm thinking right now, as a result of the multiple listing systems feeding it. In other words, they're, they're, t they're not feeding all the information because some of that information that's in the MLS is, I wouldn't say proprietary, but it's, it's private. You know, like it's not a good idea to tell people that the person in there is a daytime sleeper or they have a dog that'll bite you or something like that, but they'll do things like show pictures of houses and stuff like that. So, for example, if you're looking in, a, in an area like I've done before, um, like uh, 
for example, uh, 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 Oklahoma. I've gone to uh, Oklahoma in here. Let me see. Okay, it's somewhere in here. Um, Oklahoma, right here. If I was going to go to Oklahoma and then I was going to go and put the city in, which would be O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A, and then if I was looking for a price, properties down there are very, if you will, they're not very expensive, so I could look for something between 125 and say 250, and I don't care about June's Bass, and what would happen is, is if I'm looking into that particular, uh, oh, I, maybe I spelt this wrong. O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A, -A, I think. Oh, city, C-I-T-Y. <laughs> that would help out. Okay, so it tells me how many properties there are. I can go in here and I can show the properties. And uh, you're going to find out that uh, they have a lot of really, really nice houses down there. Here's one for 100 and, uh, you know, like here's one here for $175,000. And uh, all brick, two-car garage. You know, so I always use this as a way of showing students that, you know, that there are places to live throughout the United States that don't cost a lot of money. I think our engineer, Bob Bickley, used it to look for some stuff for his daughter using a system like this. So it's a good way to shop around and get, keep apprised. You know, uh, I would say, too, if you were going to write, like sometimes you'll see articles in the newspaper where they'll say, you know, this area of, of the country, the house, price ranges or, or the average price is this, or they'll try to compare what you can get, they're using uh, Realtor.com to do that, okay? So it's a really good system. Anyway, to go back, um, let me see. I'm going to go back here to the National Association. And underneath the National Association, that happens to be the big one that's in uh, Washington. They have a lot of... Um, information, a lot of literature in here, a lot of research. Um, you can look for different types of, uh, uh, for example, I have had students that would want to know questions like, uh, I've heard of something like a tax deferred exchange. How does that work? You're going to find out if you go to Google and you Google the subject, you're going to end up at the association and they'll have literature that you can download and read and find out stuff about. So anyway, that happens to be another association. That's the main, that's the big one, okay? I'm going to go back to Blackboard here for a minute, and I'm going to go to, uh, let me see. There's also specific associations that deal with, let's say, uh, ethnic communities. Here's National Association of Realtor, uh, Real Estate Brokers, and... Um, this more or less is, is an organization that works in the black community trying to help uh, people that, that are in the business to help them become successful, but also that community, too, is trying to help people buy homes. So, for example, you'll find different associations that are, uh, that are representing the uh, Mexican-Americans, uh, the, uh, the Vietnamese, the black community, whatever, and they do two things. One is, is, is to try to help the people that are in those communities to become successful, and also within that community trying to help those people that, for example, that maybe they, they're from, uh, predominantly speak Spanish and they need some help in buying a house, helping them, okay? And you're probably going to see more as we go by, as we get more ethnic groups, because that's what we happen to have in California. We're all from some other, someplace else. Uh, you know, people out of, uh, maybe are speaking Russian, speaking, uh, you know, from countries like Armenia, things like that, just, just more groups. So this happens to be one group, uh, one uh, particular 
site, uh, National Association of Hispanic Professionals. This is another one. Uh, okay. Again, same situation, trying to provide information uh, for people. Uh, another thing, too, if you're in that particular community and you speak another language, your second language, this is very important. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that, and I'm always envious of people I can do that. What's kind of neat is that they all have literature and stuff that will help people to learn, you know, what those terms happen to be. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting is uh, we had a speaker for our internship program that came in um, who uh, writes for, um, I'm trying to remember for the lack of, Michelle Dillingham, who writes the finance uh, column, who's been doing it for years for the Sacramento Bee. And she was in there, and she was talking about how important it is for other people to be able to, you know, speak a second language. Uh, and then we had somebody from Financial Title come in and speak about that, about how they provide uh, different types of literature to help explain those terms. I mean, we have a hard enough term uh, problem understanding it when we can speak English alone in another language. And one thing that I found interesting that the uh, people from Financial Title said is that, believe it or not, Spanish has been one of the languages in which they've really done a really good job of converting those terms over to Spanish that people can understand. But one of the problems that they have is the other languages. And it's not that they can't, the problem is, is it's not that they can't find uh, somebody to speak that other language. That's not the problem. The problem is they need to have somebody that speaks that other language that also understands real estate well enough to interpret those topics. And so uh, it's sort of interesting, you know, to think that, you know, when you're talking about interpreting for general languages, that's one thing. But when you're talking about interpreting for our professional purposes, you know, like for law or for medicine or whatever, you have to not only know that, say, for example, medicine, you not only need to know the language, but you need to understand the terms so that when the doctor explains something to you, you can explain it to them in the language they can understand. Same thing with real estate. So that's a, an area in which I don't know you would call it a growth industry. I don't know how big the demand is, but it is important that we're able to explain that stuff to people. Anyway, so that is most of the, uh, the associations, if you will. Uh, as I mentioned, we're getting really close now to the end. Uh, this is show number 32. We are really, really happy that we are now at the end of this, sh of this uh, show, just so that you know in the future what we're going to be doing in the future classes. These, this class will actually become an online class. All of this stuff will be streamed across the Internet. Also, students will be able to buy all of the video on DVDs that will run on their computer, in other words, on a DVD player on their computer. And the, uh, let me see if there's anything else. Oh, by the way, for those of you that maybe are ever interested in taking real estate finance or real estate principles or know of somebody, we're going to be doing ITV again in the fall, and that's also going to be streamed. So people will be able to watch it 24 hours a day, seven days a week at their convenience. So with that, I want to thank you very much for coming, and uh, good luck in your career, and hopefully we'll see you again in other classes. Thanks a lot.